Joining me today on the EG Property po uh, Podcast is Landsec Commercial Director Matt Flood and Sustainable Design and Innovation Manager Nils Rage and Bennett's Associates Architect and Director Peter Fisher. And we're going to be talking about sustainable design and delivering net zero carbon developments. Landsec has just got planning permission for Timber Square, an ambitious scheme in London that will deliver one of the first truly net zero developments in the city when it completes in 2024. But how will it do that and what have Landsec and Bennett's learnt along the way? That's what we're going to be finding out in today's podcast. But before we get into that, um, let's uh, Let's hear from, from Matt, Nils and um, from Peter, uh, just to give us a little bit of an insight into, into their roles and, and what they've been doing on Timber Square. And first, I'm going to pass to you, Matt. Great, thanks. And hi, everyone. So I'm Matt. I head up our Occupy Markets team at Landsec. Uh, so essentially, I run our leasing functions. Um, so on Timber Square, uh, we're involved right from the start as part of the design team, taking the scheme through its evolution, looking at how then that's propositioned in, in the market and the narrative we put alongside that, and then ultimately finding customers uh, who want to come on that journey with us and occupy the space. Fantastic. Thanks, Matt. And I'm really keen to hear about the conversations you have with occupiers a little bit a little bit later. Um, next, I'm going to pass over to Niels. Thanks, Sam. Good morning, um, everyone. So my name is Niels Rage. Um, I look after environmental sustainability um, for Landsec and oversee um, our sustainable design for our development activities. So for Landsec, it's overseeing our um, environmental sustainability programs, um, our route to net zero carbon, and then translating that into the new um, development schemes that we are bringing forward um, in London, um, Timber Square being one of them, trying to really translate our commitment to sustainability and to sustainable design into, um, into new schemes that will tackle the climate challenge we're facing. Fantastic. Thank you. And of course, Lancer has um, very recently pub published its uh, pathway to net, to net zero. So I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about that as well during this conversation. Um, last, but by no means least, uh, Peter, over to you. Yes. Uh, hello, I'm Peter Fisher. I'm a director at Bennett's Associates. Um, we're a firm of architects and um, I've been the lead architect since the inception of the of Timber Square uh, leading well, quite a large team of architects and the wider design team. And obviously Timber Square is an extremely exciting project for us. It builds on a lot of previous experience working on uh, sustainable office buildings, but this is one that is really beginning to uh, to push the envelope for us. So we've been focusing in particular on materials and the uh, operational energy performance of the building. Fantastic. Well, let, let's um let's stay there and, and talk about design and and development of sustainable um, buildings it's it's obviously something that that Bennett's has has experience in and I'd be really keen to to hear from you um what you've what you've learned so far and, and what you're what you're doing at Timber Square to make it um, net zero in in so many ways um I think the the real big step change for us in the last um the last few years has really the, has been around the realization um, of the impact of embodied carbon so um you know over the last 30 years really we've we've, we've built a portfolio of um low energy or sustainable buildings but those have tended historically to concentrate more on operational um, energy and operational carbon emissions and we're still focusing on that on timber square that's still an extremely important part of uh, the project but uh, i think the thing where we're really beginning to push 
much harder is partially on the reuse. So it's about 25% of the completed building is the reuse of the 1950s print works. That has a huge benefit in operational carbon savings. And then more um, across the new build elements, the, the use of uh, hybrid steel and uh, cross laminate timber structure is um, quite unusual for a building of this nature at the moment. So there's a lot of engineering going into that, but that has significant inroads into the um, embodied carbon of the building. Fantastic, thank you. And Niels, can can you um, build on that and, and and tell us a little bit more about the I guess the the why um, you know why Landsec feels that you know this is this has to be done. Um, yeah, certainly some some of that. Um, I guess taking um, a step back, I think it's worth stating the um, the reality that we as an industry are have a, a huge role to play in tackling the climate crisis that we're facing. Um, we are on working towards um, a net zero carbon future by 2050 as part of the um, the, the pathway that um, our country has, has taken. And we as Landsat want to really play a leadership role in addressing that. We're doing that because we certainly feel that um, it's what companies that will be successful in the long term will have to take and that will allow us to um, also really answer the needs of our customers. You know, we're seeing today um, as we move towards low carbon economy, um, our own customers want to translate their own stretching environmental commitments into the real estate they occupy. And us being able to take um, a leadership position, as we've done for a number of years now, um, on that matter is um, how we feel we're, we're positioning ourselves for success in the long term. Mm and really translating this into um, boundaries pushing schemes like Timber Square, really being able to explore for us techniques that, that we haven't um, encountered on, on other projects such as um, cross-laminated timber, you know, as a, really as a way to push this commitment to sustainable design further is, uh, is tremendously exciting. Fantastic, thank you. And, and Matt, perhaps you can, um, Give us a little bit of that that insight from mm. from the occupier because the you know the conversations that I have with with people is that you know real estate is recognizing that it has a responsibility here to um, do its bit to to um, uh, save the planet um, because it has been su such a big mm. impactor on it but also there's a push isn't there from from investors and from from occupiers if you want to fill a building it needs to needs to take um, the planet take climate change into into account. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I completely agree. And as you say, it's both on the capital side and the occupational side, um, which is going to which is going to force the market into being uh, making that positive change. Uh, and I say we are in a privileged position where we can start to influence the built environment and its role in in helping the climate crisis. But I think from an occupational point of view, um, you know, there's a huge volume of companies now, as, as Nils alluded to there, that have made their own ambitious science-based targets um, and we've done some analysis and you know there's millions of square foot in London where people have got expiries coming up in the next few years that have made those targets and if you're a knowledge-based business for example like many consultancies or advisory type firms if you're going to achieve net zero within your own business there's two main levers you can pull one is your business travel and the other one is, is real estate 
And I think that's people are really waking up to that, that it is an integral part of your business strategy. So at a board level, if you want to really live and breathe your sustainability credentials, then real estate can play a really powerful role in that. So I think that's why schemes like Timber Square will be positioned really, really positively um, because it's about partnership and collaboration and saying we can work together to help you achieve what you want to as a business. And I think the I think what's really exciting about the design on this building and project is around the use of timber because it becomes then a very visible and tangible expression of that commitment to sustainability. So you're not delivering a space which has been a slave to science and therefore, you know, you've had to compromise elsewhere. The use of timber and, and the creative vision that Bennett's have brought means you're getting these aspirational spaces which are delivering fantastic amenities and office supply but also gives you this very tangible, visible commitment to carbon reduction. And I think from speaking to some major occupiers that have made some very prominent statements, they really love that aspect of it. They want people, clients, their employees, their talent coming into the building to really understand that and feel that uh, and see it as an integral part of the business. So I think it's going to be a really compelling story, hopefully. Okay, I hope so too. Um, let, let's talk a little bit more about Timber because, you know, it gets talked about a lot, but uh, but I, I feel, and may, maybe I'm wrong on on this, maybe it's just something that, that EG hasn't picked up on enough, but we don't see a huge amount of of um, timber being used, particularly in commercial buildings any, anyway. Is there, a, is there a change coming? And if so, what's caused that? And if not, what, why aren't people using timber so much? Peter, maybe that one's for, for you. Um, it's certainly right that we don't in the UK use much timber in commercial buildings. Um, I mean, that's a simple statement of fact. Um, and I guess we historically we've had our ways of um, that we construct commercial buildings, um, steel and crinkly tin or in situ concrete by and large. I think there are other countries where there is a lot more timber used in such buildings, particularly elements of North America and Northern Europe. The, the key driver for timber, I think, is, is environmental and the uh, reduction in embodied carbon and even the ability in all timber buildings to, to begin to sequester and lock carbon into the buildings. So with you know, drawing carbon out of the atmosphere. Um, I think there's probably been uh, anxieties simply because we don't do it much in the UK has been one of the major barriers to it. But I think there are a number of projects on stream now and Timber Square is probably one of the, the earliest and the largest of those. And we're beginning to address some of the perceived technical issues. I think the perceived technical issues are probably greater than the actual ones. And once there are one or two projects constructed successfully, then I think we'll probably see a groundswell of um, timber projects coming on board in the commercial sector. Fantastic, thank you. Is there, is there anywhere around the world that we that we should be learning from in terms of um, materials and methods for for um, sustainable buildings? You know, are there there are other methods alongside timber that that could be utilised. Um, I think timber is probably the main one. I mean, there are there are other biogenic materials. Um, they go alongside um, with that. They're probably slightly more relevant to smaller scale or domestic projects, and particularly such as straw um, and materials of that ilk. But I think really cracking the timber one is probably the major one for, for us at the, at the moment. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. And N Niels, I wonder if you could um, talk us through 
um, how how Timber Square, how um, this kind of development fits into um, the uh, pathway that, that Landsuck has recently um, published. Yeah, absolutely, with pleasure. Um, indeed, with Timber Square, part of the the really early brief that we said to to Peter and the the rest of the team was um, to to deliver with us a net zero carbon building. Um, we've been working since um, the the early days of the net zero carbon um, framework definition with the UK Green Building Council around really defining what uh, a net zero carbon building really meant, having you know an industry wide definition that we could all collectively um, agree on and, and and start start working on delivering um, schemes. So the way it fits into our net zero carbon pathway recently published with um, the Better Buildings Partnership is um, it, it really follows the, the, the steps we laid out in in the pathway at a building level. The first step for us is very clearly to have an ambitious reduction pathway to um, our own corporate emissions. Um, it to me must be the first absolute single step of any net zero carbon strategy we see out there. For us as a company that means aligning this with climate science, aligning this with the science-based carbon targets um, for us in line with the 1.5 degree pathway um, of the Paris Agreement um, that commits us to a reduction of our total absolute carbon emissions by 70 percent by 2030. So the way we approach this at Timber Square is twofold. We need to um, address the operational emissions that the building will um, be responsible for when it runs. Um, that means we need to have a building that is not dependent on fossil fuels. We have therefore um, designed a really energy efficient buildings, le leveraging um, some of the, um, the the work we've also worked uh, worked on with uh, the BBP and other peers around um, the Neighbours UK Design for Performance um, pilot recently published to really allow us to go under the hood of trying to understand how this building is going to operate so that we can design it in the most efficient way. We then ensure that it can be um, operated using um, air source heat pumps that can be powered by renewable electricity. Um, that is the second step of our net zero carbon pathway, um, ensuring that we source the energy that this building with, will require to um, to run from renewable sources. The point that um, um, Peter made earlier about the embodied carbon is the sort of second biggest ticket item um, alongside the um, operational performance, um, really ensuring that we can um, get a very clear understanding of um, what it takes to build such a building. Um, and drive um, construction emissions arising from our supply chain, really from the extraction of the room, natural resources, um, their transport, installation on site, to um, to really significantly reduce that. So with the design that we came up with at Timber Square, we um, are able to reduce the construction emission from the scheme from about half what a typical commercial um, new built in London is. Um, and that makes a really significant difference to us, as well as our corporate emissions, um, because these construction emissions have a, play a significant role in our corporate emissions. Now, the reality today is that we're not 
able to um, deliver a completely completely zero carbon project in in its delivery um, we can very significantly reduce these emissions um, we can't bring them down strictly to zero today so the construction emission of the scheme will eventually be offset funding um, projects that will take carbon out of the atmosphere to really reach that net zero carbon balance fantastic thanks Niels. M matt yeah, I just wanted to to build on that really. I mean, Nils has articulated very well the kind of the science and the, the technical journey that's required to achieve these. I suppose I just wanted to then add the people layer to that because I think that is absolutely fundamental if you want to try and push the boundaries and, and achieve these very ambitious targets is a huge amount around the culture and the people. Um, and I've said this before, I think you know, sustainability can't just be a team that sits in a business. It has to be an ethos, really. It has to be something that everybody at every step of that journey really buys into. And that's both at a corporate level for us as Landsec, but also with the team and the design team, which we assemble on each project. So, you know, a fundamental reason why Bennett's were selected was we could see both from their business and the individuals in Peter that these people are fiercely passionate about wanting to do that. And I think because you're being pioneering, you need that that group of people, that attitude uh, that are willing to try and break from the norm and, and do those things and really believe in it. And I think it has to have a kind of personal edge to it to, to really help you get there. You know, it's um, it's remarkable. My kids are only five and six now, but they're coming home from school talking about climate change. Um, and, you know, this just wasn't heard of only a few years ago. So I think everybody has their own motivations. Uh, but I say I think that personal element, that buy in um, and that passion for it is really key to help you achieve it. Absolutely. And it can't just be about a single project either, can it? It can't mm. just be, you know, here, here's one great thing that we've done. It has to flow through through yeah. that whole portfolio. Yeah, I think you absolutely you need that authenticity. It can't be, you know, we're not just doing this to kind of drive a, a you know, a short term ERV. We're not, you know, this is this is about our license to operate, the longevity, sustainability of ourselves as a business. So it, you're right, it has to have that consistency and be the lens through which you make all your decisions really. And I know Landsec are one of the design for performance pioneers with the BBP as well aren't you so you're you're really utilizing everything that you're learning and sharing that among among your peers which is, is as you've said Matthew is part of that that whole not just whole company buy-in but whole industry buy-in to this. That's right. Yeah it has to be a collective and I think there's been some you know, great announcements recently where, where a lot of our peers are, are making you know, very substantial commitments, which is fantastic to see. And I think we'll only get there by having that knowledge sharing and collaboration um, and trying to find the best practice for all of us. And, and in terms of um, development pipeline coming coming through and what we can do um, with new build and actually, you know, with existing stock, we have um, we do often talk about, you know, the the biggest issue is embodied carbon and the fact that actually, what is it, sort of eighty percent of our buildings come twenty fifty are already already standing. Is is this a are we doing well um, across the UK? I suppose or are is our focus on on London? I think of you know the projects that that I'm. I'm seeing are predominantly in London, but I'm sure that there are the other major cities in the in the UK are pushing forward for net zero developments and and doing the best that they can to reduce some um, embodied carbon too. Um, Nils, I wonder if you have a, a view on that. Um, I think yeah, there's um, 
Atlantic our key key focus um, at the moment for the the pipeline we we're progressing is is London but there's um, certainly some really inspiring um, commitments being made um, across the country um, also being pushed from um, various um, various well, I think in the, in, the, in the public sector as well um, some of the local authorities um, not only in London really are, are pushing for this and, and I'm sure we'll see many more schemes um, stepping up to this um, in terms of addressing the challenge I think you you really pointed to the, the key issue for me that is the the existing stock we have the reality is we're making significant progress in delivering future buildings in a much um, more efficient way um, really addressing the embedded carbon in a way that frankly this industry hadn't ever done before um, but being able to address the the existing stock that we have that is still very much um, running efficiently um, and, and fossil fuel dependent is going to be a really the, the, the key challenge in the decades ahead um, as we um, progress to that um, low carbon transition. Thanks. Um, Peter, I, just, I wondered, do, do you as a as an architectural firm feel a responsibility when a client comes to you and says, hey, we want to do this really cool new development and, you know, rip down this building and, and replace it with with something else. So do you feel a responsibility to say, oh, hang on a minute, actually, um, that could be more um, carbon costly than than doing this with the existing existing building does that come into your thought process now um i think that's come into our thought process for for a long time actually and not simply for carbon reasons albeit that is an extremely important driver but i think there's often um there's often a character or a pattern that's brought by existing buildings or the reuse of buildings um that you don't immediately get with a brand new building and i think there's probably been a transformation in the office market over you know, the last um, few years where there's much more emphasis on character than there used to be. I mean, there used to be pretty you know, a flat floor and a flat white ceiling. So they were pretty anodyne spaces. And technically, you could deliver a net zero carbon building that that had that. And I think one of the exciting things about both both the new build elements and the existing elements to Timber Square is that by questioning the materials that we actually need, the degree of finishes that we actually need, um, you get a building that's just much more characterful. So it isn't a it isn't um, a more anodyne scientific world that you're getting out of that, but rather you're getting buildings that are much more characterful. And I think pro probably one of the most exciting bits of the brief that we were given as a bit of detail was Landsec saying to us, we want visible and reversible structural connections. And that implied that you actually really see this the structure and the way the building's put together and that really does form the character of it so i think that character as well as carbon has been um a driver for us for uh, for quite a while and this is a really opportune project for for doing that and exploring it excellent thank you and and matt i guess in the in these times where we're hearing a lot of chat about you know the future of the office and are we going to go back to to workplaces the the importance of that character the importance of um, knowing that you're in a space that is um, positively adding to yeah. to the environment, whether that's environment from a climate perspective or, you know, how, how it looks and, and feels must be even more important now than ever before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of debate about whether sustainability will continue its momentum 
post-COVID. And I think it's it, all it's done is serve to reinforce how critical it is. And I think you're right, there's two two kind of sides to that. Firstly, you know, people want a building which has real character, something that can resonate with their brand and culture and that people want to travel into and attract it to. If the office isn't an obligation, it needs to be somewhere that can really appeal to people and engage them. Uh, and I think character can certainly do that through reuse. And then the second part is that I think, you know, sustainability and well-being are two sides of the same coin. And I think this has triggered a huge uh, acceleration in the focus and awareness around well-being. Um, and I say the fact that you know sustainability is almost at a corporate level, that's now translating into what does that mean at an individual and a well-being perspective. And those two things um, are, are very compatible in terms of the spaces we create and the effect they can have on the individuals in terms of natural light, natural materials, fresh air, as all these things which are going to be top of the agenda for businesses if they're going to make that capital commitment. And I think that the, the kind of conversations that we're having around places and spaces at the moment are, are almost making real estate a more accessible and more understandable industry to to the wider population, isn't it? You know, these are conversations that are being had by around dinner tables. And mm. if we as real estate are talking about them too, perhaps, you know, one of my bugbears is that real estate is really rubbish at telling its story, but maybe through through um, sustainability, through the positive that we can bring about as an industry, we can we can start to change that story and get more people interested in in the sector as a as a career. Yeah, I'd, I'd love that if we could get to that place. And I think you're right. I think the kind of broader societal awakening around climate crisis and climate change, and then translating that into that's where property and real estate as an industry can really start to shine and show it can make a difference. It just provides us with a really engaging narrative to go and share, try and get different people into the industry in terms of who we're recruiting, the type of people we're attracting to work across all parts of the supply chain. Um, and you say it starts to really transcend and, and talk to those outside of our industry. And it, it plays a part as well. You know, the, the selection of real estate and where occupiers go is becoming a far more dem- democratic process. So, again, I think within businesses, people are far more aware of their real estate the selection how it operates and the role it plays in the business and there were previously where it was limited to a more kind of exec level discussion um, so i think both those things can really be very powerful for change absolutely so i've been on a bit of a um a mission over the last um couple of weeks to try and end every every podcast with a bit of a a happily ever after tale because <laughs> i think we all need one um this year and uh, I'd love to hear from each of you what what you think we need to be um, delivering, either as an industry or, um, you know, via um, via government, via legislation, to make sure that there there really is a happily ever after for the planet and 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 real estate's role in role in that. I'm going to start, Peter, with you for your happily ever after. Um, that's a very difficult question, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the commercial the, the the better end of the commercial uh, property sector at the moment is starting to move really quite quickly on this. And I think there's been a um, a realisation both of the impact and also the opportunity that it presents. And so things are, things are moving very quickly. And I think the drive for net zero carbon is graspable, it's understandable, and that's moving um, quicker than I think a few years ago I would have hoped. And I think at the beginning of uh, COVID, I feared it might be a bit like the financial crisis. There seemed to be a groundswell building behind sustainability then, and it was more or less wiped off the agenda by the financial crisis. But my sense is that has not happened with COVID. 
quite the opposite. I think it's probably accelerated uh, things rather than um, than slowed them down. And uh, you know, that, as Matt talked about, that sort of elegant um, intersection of personal and local well-being and um, global uh, sustainability. I think people are ex exceptionally interested in, and that has changed dramatically um, over the last 18 months or so. So I, th I think there's a real positive coming out of the drive towards net zero carbon now within within the property sector. Fantastic, thanks, Peter. Neil, same same question to you. Um, I think on the commercial front, what gives me hope is is indeed the realization that. Um, sustainability and um, leadership and success and sustainability will translate in um, success of um, the companies that, that do it well um, and, and therefore aligning um, goals in that sense. Um, I'm really optimistic to see what it can deliver. On the personal front, um, we'll need, a, I think, an even greater acknowledgement of the roles that our, our personal decisions um, have on um, the environment around us, the way the way we shop, the way we decide to live our lives, um, the way we we spend our money and, and invest it, um, I think I'm I'm going to look forward to um, um, aligning this with um, the, the challenge we're facing, and at an even macro level, I'm really looking forward to to next year and COP26. Uh, I think success there is going to have uh, a tremendous impact in really shaping the direction of, of travel for um, the way we address the climate crisis going forward. So if we do that well, I'll, we'll, we'll have, make a significant dent there. Um, let's really hope, hope so. Uh, thanks, Nils. Um, Matt, last but by no means least. Yeah, well, time to think about it. So I'll try not to make it <laughs> underwhelming. But um, I think it's I think just going back to the office sector, um, I think it's clearly been an incredibly challenging year. Um, and I, I firmly believe this is permanent disruption to the sector. This is not just a, a blip and we'll suddenly revert to our old behaviour. So I think we have to embrace that and see it as an opportunity. And I'm really optimistic that that because of the acceleration we've seen by COVID, that the, the move to sustainability, the move to the focus on well-being and really driving towards better quality spaces, ones that offer companies the ability to make a statement be different create these um amenity rich ones that are embedded in their local environment i think this real drive to quality has been hugely accelerated so i think although there's huge challenges i think it's that is gives us a real sense of optimism that it, it will continue to help us drive and be better um, and set new targets fantastic what a, what a place to end and i really look forward to um, to my tour of Timber Square in 2024, and I think, e.g., probably has a lease break in about five years. So you know, it might be <laughs> might be well timed uh, to um, come and have a look and uh, and um, and be in a building that that really means something to the environment as well as doing doing some good good for it as well um really looking forward to seeing how you progress um not just timber square but um uh work across the portfolio and and across the entire industry but for now thank you peter thank you matt and thank you nils for this wonderful and very interesting discussion today Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful 
and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data. Thank <laughs> you.